This morning, God's Word comes to us from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, we're going to begin our reading at verse 23 and then read just through verse 31 of this chapter. Acts 4, beginning at verse 23, what we hear now is God's Word. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers are gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly, in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, last week we began a new series of sermons, a series of sermons on the attributes of God, or what we're calling our Knowing God a series. We talked about the importance of knowing God, that we are not to boast in our wisdom, we are not to boast in our might, we are not to boast in our riches, but if we boast in anything, we boast that we know God, the importance of knowing Him. We're going to continue to talk about that this morning as we talk about knowing God's sovereignty. Now, as we go through this sermon series, there will be some overlap. Uh, we cannot talk about God's sovereignty without talking about His almighty power and His will. But I trust you will not mind talking too much about God as we go through this series together. A number of you have mentioned to me how you either have read or are reading uh, the book, Knowing God, out of which um, this series kind of was generated. Um, if you look in the table of contents, you will not see a Knowing God's Sovereignty. Uh, but this is a good place to begin. Uh, there's another wonderful book by J.R. Packer about the sovereignty of God, which is kind of the genesis of where this sermon came from. Uh, we begin by acknowledging our God is a sovereign God. We are a Christian church. Beyond that, we are a Reformed Christian church. And sometimes people ask me, what does it mean to be Reformed? There are a couple ways you can answer that question. You can answer that question historically. 
to talk about the names and the dates which brought about the Protestant Reformation? You can answer that question theologically. We could take uh, people to the Heidelberg Catechism, to the Belgian Confession. We could talk about the so-called five points of Calvinism. But if someone says to me, look, I just want you to give me a one-sentence definition. What does it mean to be reformed? When someone asks me for a one-sentence definition, this is what I tell them. To be reformed is to recognize that God is absolutely sovereign over everything, including our salvation. God is absolutely sovereign over everything, including our salvation. We're going to talk about knowing God's sovereignty, His power, His authority, His majesty. This is the God that we come to worship. Well, children, I know that sovereignty is not a word that um, we use too much. And what does it mean that God is sovereign? Well, if you actually look at that word sovereignty, and I have that word in the bulletin, knowing God's sovereignty, kind of in the middle of that word, you see the letters R-E-I-G-N. That spells rain. Not rain like comes down from the sky, but rain like a king reigns, like a ruler reigns. And so when we think about God's sovereignty, we may think of God as a king who is reigning over everything, an almighty king, an all-powerful king. God's kingship is demonstrated not only in himself, but in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, when he, when he uh, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, he ascends to heaven once again. That is part of his kingship as he returns to heaven to sit on his heavenly throne and to reign over all creation. I find it so interesting that after Christ's uh, ascension, one of the first prayers that we have in the book of Acts, that prayer that we read this morning, begins this way. They lift up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord. The word here is actually the word despotes, the word from which we get the word despot. Now, we think of a despot as someone who's something of a tyrant. But a despot just means an all-powerful king, an all-powerful ruler. That is our God. All-powerful and in complete control of all things. When we think about God's power and His majesty, God's reigning authority, He is able to do everything in accord with His own will. Everything. God is never frustrated. God is never unable to complete what He begins. At the end of the book of Job, as Job um, is called to account and speaks to God, he says to God, I know that no purpose of your plans can be thwarted. God is never frustrated 
in his purposes. We get frustrated sometimes. I get frustrated. Sometimes um, I fool myself into thinking that I'm actually handy around the house. And I might try to, 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 to do something, just a small little job around the house. There is no small job around the house. Uh, I'm frustrated. I don't have the right tool to do the job. I don't have enough time to complete the job. Or most likely, I simply don't have the ability. And I get frustrated. That never happens to God. He is never frustrated in his purposes. Everything he sets out to do, he accomplishes. God is never frustrated. God is never surprised. He's never surprised that things turn out the way they did. Sometimes we're surprised the way things unfold for us. God is never surprised. Nothing ever is unexpected for him. We have that case. Things are unexpected for us, but God is never surprised at what happens. He is the Almighty. He is the sovereign King who rules over absolutely everything. Everything? God rules over everything? What's the extent of His reign? Well, how do they pray to God? Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. God is sovereign over creation. They acknowledge Him as the sovereign Lord over creation because He made it. Creation is His, and it does fulfill His purposes. Now, there's times when in particular ways we notice God's sovereignty over creation. Think about Israel as they were coming out of Egypt and they come to the edge of the Red Sea and God, the God over creation, allows that sea to open up for them. His power, His majesty, His reign expressed in the deliverance of His people through the sea. Think about as the conquest of Canaan is going on, and Joshua is engaged in a great battle, and that battle goes on and on, and the day goes on and on, and God, God allows the battle to be completed, even though, as the text says for us, the sun stands still. God lengthens the day because He is sovereign. He's able to do that. Nothing is beyond His power. One of the most beautiful psalms in the Psalter uh, they're all good, but Psalm 104, beautiful, beautiful psalm about God's power and His sovereignty, where the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, You are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering Yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of His chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds His chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers winds, his ministers a flaming fire. He set the earth on its foundations. It shall never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The water stood above the mountains. You, at your rebuke, they fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. The mountains rose, the valleys sank to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary. They may not pass so they might not again cover the earth. God's power, you did all of this. You are sovereign God over all creation, over all things physical. 
And that's why we pray to God, because He is sovereign over the things that He has created. This is why we pray to God when we are in need of healing, because He is the sovereign King who is able to do everything in accord with His holy will. We turn to Him for healing. We ask for His care in our lives. He is able to act. This is the extent of His reign over all things created. He is the sovereign king. They acknowledge that as they pray to him in Acts chapter 4. Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. He is sovereign over creation. He is sovereign over history over the kings and rulers that are set up. We have here a quote from Psalm 2. Why do the rulers think they're so powerful? Because our God sits in heaven and can laugh at them in derision. He is over them. They think they're in control. He is in control. God is the God of history. As things unfold, they unfold according to His purposes. Everything is under His control. Everything? What about when bad things happen to us? Is God still in control then? We know that nothing happens outside His power and control. Now, sometimes we like to soften this truth, and we use the language that God allows bad things to happen. I, I would suggest that language is not strong enough. That language minimizes God's authority. He doesn't simply allow certain things to happen to us, difficulties in our life. At times, He sends them to us. What does our confession say in Lord's Day 9, talking about the providence of God. I trust Him so much, and I do not doubt. He will provide whatever I need for body and soul, and He will turn to my good whatever adversity He sends me in this sad world. Not simply the adversity He allows to happen, the adversity He sends me. God is not passive watching things happen, but He is in control of all things. Make a note to yourself um, later today to read uh, Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah 45. We read there, Thus says the Lord, to his anointed. Who is the anointed of the Lord, children? Well, the anointed of the Lord uh, sometimes refers to Israel, God's chosen people. Sometimes refers to Christ himself. In Isaiah 45, thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus. Who was Cyrus? Cyrus was a wicked king. Cyrus was an evil 
king. Cyrus was a king God would use to inflict punishment on his people, and yet he is called the anointed. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose hand I have grasped to subdue nations before him, to loosen the belts of kings, to open the doors before him, that gates might not be closed. I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes in secret places that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by your name. For the sake of my servant Jacob and for Israel, my chosen, I call you by your name. I name you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord and there is no other. Beside me there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Our God is a sovereign God. His sovereignty extends over creation, over history, even over the evil things that are sent our way. Because God is the God who is working out His perfect plan in our lives. It's a comfort to know that even the difficulties, even the hard times, even the evil as we perceive it is under the control of a sovereign God. Again from our chapter, chapter 4 of Acts. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and plan had predestined to take place. The greatest miscarriage of justice ever, the crucifixion of the perfect, innocent Son of God, under the authority, under the control, under the plan of a sovereign God. We can't ever fully imagine how that is possible, how Herod and Pilate are still accountable for their actions, yet God is completely sovereign, but we confess it by faith. The Bible reveals this to us. Even this, even this miscarriage of justice was according to the plan of a holy God. He is powerful over creation. He is powerful over history. He is powerful over the spiritual world and the devil. We think of the book of Job, and at the beginning of that book of Job, you remember how, how Job um, is going to be uh, tested by the devil. What happens first? The devil has to go talk to God. The devil has to be allowed to inflict evil upon Job. And first God says, yes, you may do that, but don't touch the man. And then that's exactly what happens. And then, and then the, the Job doesn't give up. And so the devil has to come back again for a second time and ask God for permission again. Can I go again and test him? Even the devil 
is under the control of a sovereign God. He's in control of all things, over creation, over history, over the devil himself. And if he is in control of all of this, he is most certainly in control over our salvation. He knows his own and he calls his own by name. We know our salvation is not because of anything we have done. There is nothing we could properly offer to God. No, it was completely done according to his perfect will through his son, Jesus Christ. He is the one who we turn to. He is the one who we embrace by faith. And that's the call God gives us again today. To to recognize his sovereignty in salvation. Stop trying to do it yourself. And simply by faith embrace Jesus Christ. And know the assurance. The assurance of salvation. If it's still up to us, we have no assurance because we keep sinning. And we say, have I done enough? No, I've never done enough. Christ has done enough. Christ has done everything necessary to absolutely secure the salvation of each and every one of his own. As we enter into this week of of self-examination coming to the supper, it's it's in some ways a dangerous week because as we examine ourselves, we will still see so much sin clinging to us and we say, I can't come to the table. We must take our eyes off ourselves, acknowledge our sin, but look away and look to Christ and remember what he has done and then accept God's gracious invitation for the sake of Jesus Christ to come to the table and celebrate. God is sovereign over all things, including our salvation. And this sovereignty is is a great blessing for the people of God. They, we go on in the last couple of verses here, verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Just before this story, uh, they are told, don't speak anymore. Don't speak in Christ's name. And they say, is it more important for us to obey God or to obey man? They say, Lord, give us boldness. Boldness because you are sovereign. Boldness because you reign. Boldness to declare what you have done. God's sovereignty gives us great boldness as we are called to share the gospel with our neighbors. Now, some people say, look, if God is sovereign, he can save uh, the evil with us or without us. Yes, that's true, but God chooses to save them with us. He chooses to use our words. He chooses to use our contacts. He chooses to use our relationships to share the glories of the gospel, which he then blesses with his Holy Spirit. We have every confidence to share the word with others because God is sovereign, because he knows his own, because he will call his own to hear the call of the gospel and to embrace Jesus Christ. Give us boldness. Give us confidence. They were told not to speak, and yet they say, make us bold because you are sovereign, Lord. God's sovereignty is a blessing to us as we we use those contacts, that circle of influence God has given to us. 
God's sovereignty is a blessing to us when we go through trial. When we are struck with injury, when we are struck with illness, when things happen in our lives physically, they are not outside of God's control. God is sovereign. When we go through relationship difficulties, difficulties in our marriages, difficulties in our families, although we don't see how God is bringing glory to Himself, we know that He is. God is in control. God is sovereign. Even in the adversity, He sends our way. We may never understand why things happen the way they did, but knowing a sovereign God gives us great assurance. This is not outside of God's sovereign plan. He is in some way bringing glory to Himself. And that gives us confidence. And that gives us assurance. God's ways are beyond our ways. God is a sovereign God. As we enter into this new week, there may be things in our life we did not expect. There may be things in our life we did not imagine. Nothing will surprise God. There may be things that we try to accomplish and we are frustrated. Nothing will frustrate God. Nothing that happens will be outside of His perfect will and His sovereign control. And so we can enter this week with a sense of assurance, with a sense of confidence, with a sense of comfort, because we know God is the sovereign king who will continue to rule over each and every one of his people, who rules over creation, who rules over history, who will continue to call those of his own to himself. Oh, the blessing of knowing a sovereign God. Let's join together in prayer. Sovereign Lord, great and glorious, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. We acknowledge your power and your majesty. We are so weak and we are so frail, we are so easily frustrated and so often surprised by the circumstances around us. But you, O oh God, are in control of all things. May that truth, may that reality Encourage us in the week to come. As we live day by day, we may be knowing that, that you are having things unfold according to your perfect plan. You are bringing glory to yourself, whether things are easy for us or whether you send difficulties and hardship our way. It is all under your sovereign control. Lord God, may this wonderful revelation of who you are encourage us and strengthen us. May we leave with a sense of boldness, Boldness to declare your greatness and your glory. Boldness to face whatever you might set in our path this coming week. Encourage us, O oh God, by your holy word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We turn to number 461 in the Psalter hymnal. 